Do have Romans 5 open and let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that yours are the words of eternal life. Thank you that you, the, the loving creator God, speaks to us and that you want to speak to us this morning. So Father, we pray that you would give us open hearts, open ears, that we would want to hear from you and be changed by you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you were with us last week, uh, we looked at the first half of Romans chapter 5. And if you can remember, we thought a bit about how the Christian life is a little bit like walking along a rope bridge. It's like a bridge firmly anchored at either end. And we saw how all Christians are to live their life looking back at their justification by faith. At that declaration in the past that we are right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're to look back and we're to look forward. We're to look forward to our guaranteed future of glory. That we will be with Christ forever one day. And we thought about how those two points on the bridge, they are absolutely secure. And so Paul says, well, life on the bridge, the Christian life, is to be characterized by peace. We're no longer God's enemies. He's made peace with us. It's to be characterized by grace. We stand concreted in God's grace. And nothing can change that. And hope. We can be certain of our future of our future glory with God. That is what the Christian life should be like. But maybe we left last week still feeling like the bridge is a little bit wobbly, still feeling a little bit unsure that it really will hold. Maybe when we're shaken by our own suffering or or by trials, when we're faced with the reality of our daily sin, we might think, can I really be sure that Jesus has actually changed anything? Has he really made that much of a difference to my life? Can I really trust him? Well, in our passage this morning, Paul wants to reassure us. He wants us to know that what Christ has done has made all the difference in the world. Not just for our own individual lives here today in Chessington, but for all humanity. You see, the the second half of chapter 5, Paul zooms out. He expands our vision and shows us that the whole human race is characterized by or connected to one of two people. And that connection, Paul says, makes all the difference. All the difference in the world. So let's look at chapter 5, verse 12, where Paul explains that first connection. And there he says, our first connection is to Adam. And we are all ruined in him. That's our first point this morning. We are all ruined 
in Adam. Look at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Now, if you've been with us in our evening services, you'll know that we've been working through the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And we've been looking at God's account of the beginning of everything. And right at the start, in Genesis chapter 1, God creates humanity. He makes man and woman, Adam and Eve, real people at a real point in history. And here in Romans 5, Paul, well, he assumes that reality. He assumes Adam is a real person, the first person, and therefore the ancestor of the entire human race. He says we're all descended from Adam. We're all descended from Adam, and that means we inherit two things from him. First, we inherit his dignity. Adam was made in the image of God. He had value and worth beyond anything else God had made. He was capable of all sorts of good, loving, and wonderful things because he was made in the image of a good, loving, and wonderful creator. And the same is true today. Humans have an inbuilt dignity, a value. They have a capacity to do good because they are made in the image of a good God just as Adam was. And so we inherit Adam's dignity, but we also inherit his depravity. And that's Paul's point in chapter 5. You see, whilst humans are capable of great good, they are also capable of great evil. Next week, as we've just heard, is Remembrance Weekend. It's a time when we remember the depth of human depravity. And so how do we account for that evil? Where does that depravity come from? Well, Paul says we've inherited it from Adam. Verse 12 again. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. You see, not long after their creation, Adam and Eve, the first people, rebelled against God. They directly disobeyed what God had commanded them to do. And so they effectively said, from now on, God, we're in charge. We make the rules. We don't want to live under your rule anymore. It was an act of blatant rebellion against their creator. And it's an act of rebellion that we all continue in today. And the Bible says that because of that rebellion, death entered the world. Just as God had warned, physical and spiritual death would now be a reality for human beings. Ever since that first rebellion, every single human being has been marked by sin and death. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Now we can understand how this all works when we think about the world of sport. Uh, So if you support a a football team and your team does well at the weekend, what do you say to your friends? We won. We won. 
Now, now you had nothing to do with that victory. You weren't even on the pitch. You were, you were on your sofa with your feet up watching the television. But still you say to your friends, we won. And that's because we understand that that's our team. We identify with them. They represent us. And here Paul is saying that at a much deeper level, we are all on Team Adam. He represents us. And so when he sinned, we all sinned. But it's more than that. It's more than that because Adam's sin also corrupted the entire human race. It corrupted our human nature. A bit like a a river that's been polluted or poisoned at its source. Humanity has been polluted by sin at its very beginning. And so now, well now sin is just a part of who we are. It's a part of our nature as people. That's why David writes later on in Psalm 51, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We are born sinful. Sin is natural to us. And so one writer puts it like this, It's not so much that we all sin and are therefore sinners, but rather that we are all sinners and therefore we sin. The sins that we commit, well, they are symptoms of the sinful nature that we all share. We're children of Adam. And Paul says in verses 13 and 14, whether we have God's written law or not, we all sin. And so death reigns. It has always reigned since the time of Adam, right through to today. That is the state of humanity in Adam. We are all ruined in him. And I know that that can be a pretty hard thing for us to get our heads around this morning. It's a hard thing for us to accept. I find it a hard thing to accept. But whilst we might not like it, we have to say that it is an accurate description of humanity, don't we? When we look at the world around us and we look at ourselves, we know that sin comes so naturally to us. Right from birth, no one has to teach us or persuade us to be selfish, do they? No one has to teach us to rebel and say no to authority. No one has to persuade us to feel pride or jealousy. Now, these things are easy. They're natural to us. Because we've inherited Adam's sin. And as a result, death reigns. Whether we like it or not, 100% of people die. A few weeks ago when we looked at Genesis chapter 5 in the evening, we thought about how people try to distract themselves from death. How we busy ourselves to the point of not really needing to think about our own mortality. Or perhaps how we dress death up to be some sort of positive thing. A great adventure, just blissful nothingness. But you see, Paul says no. No, no, death is a reality. 
It's a reality we can't ignore because it comes to us all. And death is not a good thing. It's a consequence of our sin. It is God's judgment on our rebellion against him. We are all ruined in Adam, which means the problem of sin and death is totally beyond us. There is nothing that we can do to stop ourselves sinning. There is nothing that we can do to stop ourselves dying. We are all ruined in Adam. It's a depressing picture of the human race, isn't it? But there is hope. There is hope because although we are ruined in Adam, Paul says we can be restored in Christ. And that's the second thing we see this morning. We can all be restored in Christ. Just as ruin and death was brought about by the actions of one man, so restoration and life is brought about by the actions of another man, Jesus Christ. At the end of verse 14, Paul describes Adam as a pattern or a a type of the one to come. In other words, he says, Jesus, he's a bit like Adam. There are some similarities, and we're going to see those when we get to verse 18. But he also says, first of all, that Adam and Jesus, they are very, very different. They're different because Jesus is so much better than Adam. We see that in Paul's repeated phrase in verses 15 to 17, where he says, If this then how much more this? If this is what you get with Adam, then how much more is what you get with Christ? So look at verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? We've just seen that our connection to Adam is a connection to his rebellion. And that rebellion brought about death. Verse 15, the many died by the trespass of the one man. But Paul says if we're connected to Jesus, well then instead of death, we get grace. Verse 15, how much more did God's grace and the gift that And the the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. Do you see, death is what we deserve in Adam. That is what we're owed. That is what God should give us. But in Christ, we are given what we don't deserve. In Christ, we get an undeserved gift of grace. And then in verse 16, we see how generous that gift is. Look at verse 16. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. In Adam, we are all condemned, Paul says. We, we receive that guilty verdict from the judge and so face his punishment, condemnation. But in Christ, well, in Christ we are justified. 
We've thought a lot about that word over the last few weeks, haven't we? In Christ, we are declared not guilty rather than guilty, innocent before the judge. God's free gift is the gift of justification. And see how generous it is? Paul says our condemnation followed just one sin. And so you might expect that all the sins committed since that first sin, well, that would just bring more and more and more condemnation. But Paul says no. No, no, many, many sins followed Adam's sin. People have been sinning ever since. But in Christ, God responds to all those sins, not with condemnation, but with justification. With this gift of being declared right with God. And so how does God respond to your countless sins? The sins that you've committed today, this week, this month, this year? How does he respond when I sin in the same way again and again and again? Well, Paul says if we're trusting in Jesus, then he responds with a gift, with justification. And that gift that we receive now, today, leads to a wonderful hope for the future. Look at verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Because of Adam's sin, death reigns. We can't beat it. But Jesus can. Jesus did beat death. When he died in our place, taking the condemnation, the judgment that we deserve, and then rose to glorious new life, Jesus beat death. And so Paul says, because of God's abundant grace, those who are in Christ will also beat death. They will reign in life. Those who trust in Christ have a glorious future to look forward to. A future where there is no more sin. There is no more suffering. There is no more death. A future where we will reign in life with Christ forever. And so can you see... Adam, he is nothing like Jesus because Jesus is so much better. But then in verse 18, Paul says, there is one way they are similar. Look at verse 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Adam and Christ are similar because their actions have impacted all of humanity. They represent the two most significant turning points in human history. Adam's one act of sin and disobedience it was the turning point that led to condemnation for all people. 
From that moment on, all people sinned and there was nothing they could do about it. In verse 20, Paul says that not even the law could help them. It just gave them more opportunity to sin. Adam's act of sin was a turning point that led to condemnation. But then comes the next great turning point. The cross of Jesus Christ. And Paul says this time, it was not an act of disobedience, but obedience. As Jesus prayed to his Father, not my will, but yours be done. And then went to the cross and died in in the place of guilty rebels. His act of righteousness, rather than the trespass, meant justification and life for all who believe. Those are the two great turning points in human history. And so can I ask you this morning, what does the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ mean for you? How important is that event for you? Maybe you think that it's something that just happened a very long time ago and therefore can't really have any connection, any relevance to our life today. Maybe you think it's just an interesting historical event, something like the Battle of Hastings or the First World War. You, you, you read about it in, the, in a book, but, but that's about as far as it goes. If that's you, then I hope you can see that Paul is saying these events, this event is the most significant event, the most important event in all history. And it's an event that you can be connected to. Just as all of us are connected to that first event, to Adam's rebellion, and so face God's condemnation and wrath. We can also be connected to this event, to Christ's death and resurrection, and so receive justification and life. And so all of us have a choice to make. We don't get to choose whether we're connected to Adam. That is who we are as people. But because of God's abundant grace, we can choose to be connected to Jesus. And that will make all the difference in the world. Look at verse 20. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul concludes by saying what he's been saying all the way through this passage. God's grace is so much stronger, so much greater than Adam's sin. What Christ has done to fix the human race is so much more powerful than what Adam did to break it. And so although it might not look obvious now, Jesus Christ has changed everything. As we wobble along that that bridge of life uh, and we continue to experience our sin and suffering and death, it's so easy to forget this, isn't it? But Paul says, be in no doubt. Christ has won. And one day that'll be clear for everyone to see. 
Yes, sin might increase, but grace will increase all the more. So that just as sin reigns in death, so much more will grace reign through righteousness to bring life in Jesus. And so if you're a Christian here this morning, well then you can rejoice. You can rejoice in the face of sin and death because you know that Christ has won. And if you're connected to him, well then his victory is your victory. And so those famous words in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian here this morning, then Christ's victory is your victory. You are part of a new humanity in him. So rejoice. Praise him. Rejoice and remember that that becoming a Christian is a fundamental change of your identity. Which means that being a Christian is not just another hobby or lifestyle choice that you have made. It's not that your friends at work are into Pilates and cooking and you're into tennis and Jesus. And apart from that, you're you're pretty much the same. It's not that the other members of this church Uh, just happen to have the same interests as you uh, and like to get together once a week to talk and sing about it. It's not that you teach your children about Jesus because, well, it'll be good for them, a bit like vegetables and exercise. (laughs) No, becoming a Christian changes you at the deepest and most fundamental level. You are part of a new humanity in Christ. And so who you are in Christ is deeper than your hobbies and your interests. It is deeper than your nationality and your race. It is deeper than your age and your gender. It is the most fundamental thing about you. You were connected to Adam, but now you belong to Christ. And in the next few chapters of Romans, we're going to see Paul explain how that transforms our lives, how that changes what we do day to day. And can I say as well that if you're not a Christian here this morning, can I urge you to think about who you are connected to? Paul says we're all connected to Adam, and so we all face death and judgment. There's nothing that we can do about that. But we can be connected to Christ. We can receive his righteousness, his life, his grace, in place of our condemnation, if we come to him. If that's something that you would like to think about or talk about more, please, please do come and speak to me or someone at the front after the service. I'd love to talk to you more. We are all ruined in Adam. But we can be restored in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.
Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you this morning for the transformation of the gospel. That because of your abundant grace, we are taken from death and condemnation in Adam to righteousness and life in Christ. Father, please, this morning, lift our eyes from our own individual lives to see the transformation that Christ has brought, the enormity of what he has done in making a new humanity in him, a humanity that will reign in life forever because of your amazing grace. Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus this morning, and in his name we pray. Amen.